Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the latest edition of Until Saturday, live reaction show. What a day in college football on Saturday. Uh, I was at the uh, Georgia-Florida game, if you want to call that a game. Dave was at home on his couch enjoying himself. Uh, I'm Ari Wasserman. We're here. We're going to break down the entire sport. But Dave, before we get into the show, I got to tell you, the, the I took a bad beat today, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't a gambling bad beat. I'm scared to ask. So I am a Wawa enthusiast and they have them in Florida and we are around that time of year for Thanksgiving where they have the gobbler sandwich. You know what the gobbler sandwich is? Yes, I have. It's the I have, one with I the partaken once. Yes. Yes. The mm-hmm. stuffing Turkey cranberry sauce sub. Yeah. And I had been planning all day to get this to dinner, you know, get out of the stadium around six o'clock, grab one of these on the way home for dinner and then watch the mm-hmm. second half of the Ohio state game in my hotel room. I got there and uh, they were out of them, which like, come on, guys. This I'm is the only on thing the we've side. been advertising for the last month. It's on every door at every Wawa in the entire state. And, like, it's just like, how am I supposed to come in here and have a good show when uh, I didn't do that? So I ended up getting a chicken Caesar salad instead from a <laughs> local restaurant. And I got to tell you, I'm just I'm not fulfilled right now. So I need you to help me be fulfilled as we go in. I'm going to ask you later on in the show what you had for dinner. We can't get <laughs> off track here, but. Everybody listening, thank you so much for for tuning into the latest edition of Until Saturday. We had a lot of really big games. We had some major upsets. We had some close upsets, some fun. Uh, I thought there was a lot of revelations. Um, We'll get into all those things once we get into the show. Thank you for being here. Like and comment and subscribe on the YouTube channel and the podcast feed wherever you listen to this. If you're here live with us right now, we thank you so much. If you're listening to this first thing on Sunday morning and you want to watch us live when we go Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, the links are in both shows descriptions to find it at both places. Um, we are about 24 hours away from the s- until Saturday, Sunday sound off edition. If you want your voice to be represented on the show as bad as we want it to be represented on the show, be sure to call three, one, six, four, six, two, nine, eight, five, two, where you can leave a voicemail. Again, that is three, one, six, four, six, two, nine, eight, five, two, leave that voicemail. And lastly, sign up for the until Saturday newsletter where you'll get your daily fill of college football news right to your inbox. Uh, again, predictably that will also be found in the show's description. So why don't we get into some football here, Dave? I thought the biggest, uh, result of the day has to be Oklahoma losing on the road to Kansas. Our Max Olson was there. He followed the goalposts into the nearby lake. It kind of reminded me a little bit of your post-game journey last year after the Alabama-Tennessee game. And um, I don't know if if that's a, a game that changes the national championship picture, but certainly you know puts us in a position where we have more context on how to view it. So lastly, the best thing is we no longer have to participate in the discussion of what happens if all power five champs are undefeated. It's never happened before and it's not going to happen now. So it's Dave, never uh, did you watch that game? Bean was, was, was flinging it, man. This man, 
I, I think the one thing that I think is really interesting about Kansas is it's crazy enough that we're sitting here. Is this year three of Lance mm-hmm. Leipold? Yep. That Kansas won has arguably the best player in the Big 12 in Jalen Daniels. One healthy. Well, sure. Two, did not have him today. And three, Mm -hmm. beat Oklahoma anyway. (laughs) That is, all of those things are wild, uh, just on their face. I don't think Kansas's struggles really went unnoticed or unreported. I mean, for almost a decade, they just kept digging themselves into hole after hole, digging deeper and deeper, where they were not competitive for a long time. And so... Kansas has been competitive. Uh, they, they obviously had a little bit of a slide last year after starting so hot. And so it was cool to see them get this moment today and win a game that was an upset. But I don't know about you, Ari. I didn't fall off my couch watching it. Uh, Kansas went yeah, toe I think to toe with Oklahoma. Our bodies and our mind are used to having the Kansas reaction. It's almost like the gag reflex where you think, oh, my God, a team lost to Kansas. But I think you could make the actual case that Kansas might be a top five team uh, in the Big 12. So, you know, and and the thing that I thought was most impressive about this, Dave, was that Kansas went up 14 nothing early and there was a a delay. But Oklahoma erased that lead and actually was winning at halftime. And they took punches back from Oklahoma. It wasn't just like a grab ass infested game. Yeah. Uh, from start to finish, Oklahoma had a bunch of penalties, as you just saw, 111 yards, three turnovers. But Oklahoma was punching back and taking leads, and Kansas kept getting off the mat at home and scoring and and taking the game back. So, uh, you know, I thought it was a really good plan for Oklahoma to let Kansas score uh, late in the game with about a minute left. I thought there was a chance that Oklahoma would go back and and score. Maybe if they had 25 more seconds left on the clock, they yeah. would have. Uh, but now we have prepared for them to let them score. Also, that right. We should have seen. We that have a a wide open Big 12 race, and it almost kind of feels like to me now, depending on what happens with Oklahoma the rest of the year, that we could be watching a huge pivotal game next week with Can- uh, Kansas State and Texas for yeah. who's going to win this conference potentially. I don't know. Maybe that's a that's a jump too much. Oklahoma is certainly still in the picture, but. Um, Definitely a interesting thought process when you think about we were having a discussion four days ago about whether or not we should take Oklahoma seriously as a team that could make the playoff and maybe win a playoff game with this year shaping up the way it was. Well, you look around the Big 12 and obviously everyone's got a loss now, but you look at Kansas State and Oklahoma State coming on strong. I don't necessarily take Iowa State that seriously just yet. I want to see a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But Kansas State is playing unbelievable football. Avery Johnson, uh, his emergence really makes them kind of scary. They still got Will Howard. They're, it's a weird situation there. And then Oklahoma State is just playing good football the last month. And I think those teams were not looking fantastic early in the year. Missouri is better than people think, and that loss uh, from Kansas State doesn't look quite as bad. Um, as it did early on, that, that sort of made you wonder if Texas and Oklahoma were going to cakewalk to Arlington. They still both have a great shot to get there, but they're going to have to earn it. Um, there's not another ranked team in the league, but like West Virginia can be a little bit spunky as well. Uh, you never know if TCU might wake up for a ball game. Uh, and so I, I the pack, I mean, the Big 12 race is a lot more interesting, you know, now than it was, you know, two, three weeks ago, where again, I, obviously I think Texas and Oklahoma are the best teams in the league. But it's it's anything but a cakewalk to get to the championship game. I, I suspect at least one of them will. But, you know, three weeks ago, it seemed like, you know, are they going to be the only teams, you know, with less than three losses sitting there in, in uh, late November? 
I want to have a quick uh, aside discussion about coaching candidates in this country and how we've kind of gotten to a point now where the young offensive mind and sometimes or most of the time attractive coaches are the most sought after candidates. But in a world where USC uh, literally almost lost a cow and gave up 50 almost in the process, it's like a nice reminder that a man like Lance Leipold, who um, wasn't a one-year wonder, you know, would be a very attractive coaching candidate for a place like Michigan State, potentially, age aside. And you know, Alex Kirshner, who is at Split Zone Duo, tweeted something that I thought was a very apt point. I want to give him credit, and I want to say it to you, that a lot of times we do Coach of the Year as a one-year award, right? I don't know if you saw this tweet. I didn't see and it. And really, yeah, if you I'm look at it, the Coach of the Year could be done in increments of three years because sometimes there are – Flashes in the pan. I mean, Mel Tucker had a really good year. I think he won it that year, and the following year wasn't very good. But what about the people who come in, change a program, and then it stays changed? Like Kansas does have one of the most dynamic players in college football in Jalen Daniels, but even when he's not playing, they're winning this game in year three of the build. And, it's crazy. you know, I, I think it says here in the rundown that Kansas controls its own destiny in the Big 12. I don't think that's true uh, because, uh, I think Texas and Oklahoma could both win out and make it, but it is still a real distinct possibility with their remaining schedule here that Iowa State, Texas Tech, Kansas State, and Cincy remaining on their schedule that they can win all four of those games and finish just two losses in the Big 12 in year three. Mm -hmm. So, like, I personally would trust him uh, to run my program if I were an athletic director. And I think that we need to talk and maybe reverse the mean a little bit about just it's not just young offensive coordinators that deserve to be head coaches in this country. I, I think that there is. I mean, I, I can't remember if we were, if it was about Kalen DeBoer. I think it was. You know, we, we've kind of referenced this that, that I think that the guys from the lower divisions don't get nearly the shot that they probably should. And if you've been dominant at a lower level, there is something to you know how to operate an organization. And yes, you got to learn a lot of different things as you move up. But this is a guy who won six national championships in eight seasons at Wisconsin Whitewater. I think he yeah. can coach some football. And, you know, it's not like he's going down there and playing with, uh, you know, Alabama's roster, right? You're facing the same limitations as a lot of those other places. So uh, I, I think there has to be a reassessment. And I, I would like to see more of the small school guys get an opportunity um, and and do a lot of similar things. So I think the the amount of hot new names and coordinators that have never run their own program, which is a challenge that is completely separate from being a good ball play caller to running your own program. Uh, I feel like we've seen a lot of the hot new name fall off. And I feel like that the, the batting average for the lower division coach that moves up and doesn't end up in a, you know, a dead end job and Kansas, for the record, was a dead-end job for a lot of coaches. You don't hear much from Charlie Weiss or Turner Gill or Les Miles anymore. It literally like ended careers. And for him to go to, go to that spot and still have success anyway and build it into something that, you know, they were, they're not a dudes everywhere team, but he inherited a disasters everywhere team. And they're good at a lot of places, man. And they very entertaining to watch. Yes. Like, that's a football product that mm-hmm. if I went to Kansas, I would be proud to go watch in person. And support that team, you know, and I know that it's going to take years and years and years potentially of turning that around and making it an expectation that they're going to be good. But if you watched the game on TV today, it was a very thrilling game. 
Yeah, it was. And that's, you know, credit there to Andy Kodal, Nikki. I, I think ultimately it comes down to knowing how to hire, knowing what you want to do, having a clear vision for what you want your program to be schematically, culturally, um, and 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 living that out and holding your players to that standard. Uh, and, you know, coaching at Kansas is a different challenge than coaching, you know, at uh, Ohio State or coaching at Pitt or coaching at Tennessee. They're all very different places. But Kansas is on the short list of the toughest jobs, and and I think he he sees himself as a builder, and I, I'm you know what he did at Buffalo was really impressive, and it's carried over obviously to Kansas, and uh, I, I I think our ads get really tunnel visiony when it comes to coaching hires, and let's broaden that a little bit. Let's broaden that. Yes. Okay. So why don't we get into the juice, the That's- juiciness of the discussion? Okay. On Tuesday. We have the first college football playoff rankings reveal. And I know that that might not be as thrilling for you because some teams might be left out. But for me, that's a super exciting time. I and like I it. was. I like you? the Tuesday night stuff for the record. Oh, this you week, do. We both are. We both have small children. I'm not crazy about them doing it on Halloween night for the first time. I get that's just how the calendar fell. But so isn't trick or treat day sucks. on Monday? No, it's Tuesday. Ari, it's oh. Tuesday. We're going trick or treating on Monday, so I don't know. If that's and you say I'm weird. That's weird, Ari. You're going to be going up knocking on people's you doors, and they're going to be gonna like, assign, Get out of here. You're going to assign weirdness to me when that's just when the neighborhood's doing it? <laughs> why are they doing it that way? Yeah, I don't know. It on, if what? it's on Tuesday, then I'm like, listen, we all have wives, and we they always make plans, and they tell you, and then you're always wrong. So maybe <laughs> I'm just like misremembering what she said, but there is a Halloween party that we're going to on Monday evening, and we're trick-or-treating after. So um, I was at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. You got it. Nice. Uh, nice. Art. I always stumble over that. I don't know why, but are there really by that the many way, co- I've never been to it. Is there really that I'll tell cocktails? you one thing when I walked out of the stadium, all it reeked of booze. So, hmm. I mean, it's the college football game. People were tailgating, but there was a lot of spilt beer and booze on the floor that I smelled, but they allow beer. You I, know, feel we, like, I feel like if you go to I the smell tailgate, beer, Blood of beer, they just knock it out of your hand and hand yeah. you like a Mai Tai or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I never thought about that. But <laughs> Florida beat the crap out of, or sorry, Florida wishes. Georgia beat the crap out of Florida. 43 to 20, the points that Florida scored came after the game was over. I thought coming into this game that we tried to talk ourselves into the notion that maybe Florida had turned a corner after beating South Carolina. Georgia was without its best player in Brock Bowers and You know, it's just a weird series. Weird things have happened in this game in Jacksonville. And like we are getting to the point in the year now where it's the last Saturday of October where weird stuff happens. Maybe it's the the spooking, the spookiness of the of the season. But what happened and what I saw in person was just a completely bigger, stronger and faster team beating the crap out of another team. And um, Florida scored a touchdown on their first drive and then it was punt. Downs, fumble, safety, punt, punt. And Georgia made plays on defense. They arrived uh, at the ball and were violent when they got there. Um, On offense, they had a bunch of yards after the catch. Lad McConkey is is, is 100% healthy and had a bunch of yak. Uh, So here's my premise of the column that I wrote after the game. And Cam Molina, our producer, thank you so much for putting the Death Star graphic into uh, (laughs) it it is uh, certainly a work of art. Now I've never seen 
Star Wars, but I've Can heard people say Death briefly, Star Ari? mode. So sure, if you want to, I'll just give you the floor as. Uh, you can spend the next 40 minutes on this if you'd like. Why? Why have I don't you not like sci-fi Star movies. It's not my deal. At all? Like any of them? I mean, them? like, I've, I think that they're all the same and they're boring. I don't like them. It's just, they're just. They're not. <laughs> I actually, you want to know what I actually think about Star Wars? I think it's the biggest grift in the history of all movies. They keep making them every Christmas. What? There's a new Star Wars no, movie. They keep getting worse Disney's, and everybody's watching them. Ari, you're going to get me off track it's, here. Disney purchased Star Wars and has begun squeezing all of the money out of it. The originals were just Lucasfilm. They were actually, you know, the original trilogy is fantastic. The second one has its problems, but it has its moments also. The new ones I thought were good, but Disney purchased basically Star Wars and they like, uh, so now they are coming out. Doesn't with like, that's Disney why you see, own like, Marvel eight, too? Am I making that up? I don't know. I don't really like the Marvel movies, but like, th- this is why you're seeing like 800 Star Wars shows and all that stuff. I've just the had, original I, trilogy is fantastic. It's just not my deal. I like a good drama. I, I like a good drama. I don't well, necessarily right, I watched, get into I the- watched Dune yesterday uh, on Netflix and I wa- I've seen Star Wars many, many times. They're not the same movie. All of them are not. Ari, we got to. Somebody just said, is giving me crap because they said it's not science fiction; it's science fantasy. Oh, okay, that that changed my mind. I'm I'm in now. Like, what, what are we doing here? Science fantasy. Yeah, science fantasy. Here's a fantasy. Why don't you just watch a good drama movie? Um, I watched a movie. You are going to get me off track, but there was a movie that came out in 2014. It was James Gandolfini's last movie, and it was Enough called said. The Drop. Have you seen oh, the no, movie The Drop? No, it's a forgotten movie because back in the day when they used to make really good movies, good movies went unnoticed. But it was just a, a a bar owner who, you know, was confronted by the mob and they took over the bar and made it a drop place for transactions to, you know, for money and stuff in the mob. I feel like and I it was just a conflict movie. of uh, a straight man bar owner who, you know, lived the right way dealing with the, the mob and all that stuff. It's hard for me and to see it, James like, Gandolfini I, 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 being I, convincing as somebody dealing with the mob, uh, but I feel like uh, yeah. I could, I feel Well, like I, I also just feel like if that movie came out right now, it probably would just win an Academy Award. They don't make movies like that anymore. <laughs> It's a, I, I don't know how many times Ari would rather watch the bachelor than a star Wars movie. I would. Yes. The bachelor <laughs> is the perfect show to just like lay on the couch with your wife and scroll through Twitter and just hang out without like using your brain. It's a nice escape from sports. And I'm just, you know, listen, I'm just not, I had this, this fight with Andy 800 times. I'll have it with you. I'm just not a, uh, you know, somebody made me watch the interstellar movie. And I was just like, that movie was an hour too long and I didn't understand the ending. And it's just like, can I just watch a good movie? Like the Shawshank Redemption. Like if you put Shawshank Redemption next to any Star Wars movie, it's just like, what are we doing here, guys? Different like, things are. That's yeah, like saying that's like saying uh crab legs and steak is better than steak. It's like, well, I mean, different strokes for different folks, I suppose. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just not a Comic Con guy. I just I'm never gonna be. <laughs> and I'm not saying that if you are, that's bad. I'm just saying it's just not my my taste, and I prefer to avoid those things. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I think that in this world of parody, where you and I struggled to figure out who our top four would be in the middle of the season in the playoff on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. We are convincing ourselves that Michigan or Florida State or Oregon or Washington, who, by the way, has struggled with terrible teams the past two weeks, barely beating Stanford on Saturday, can be the team this year to win a national championship. I think that we have convinced ourselves that Georgia, for whatever reason, is vulnerable as a result of not having Brock Bowers. They (laughs) play some grab ass and they're not as motivated or the complete version of itself as they were last year. And then I go to Jacksonville and I fly And I'm in the stadium and I'm watching the game and I go into the stadium thinking, well, this could be a close game. Like if Florida shows out, maybe, you know, Graham Mertz is better than we thought he was. And I I thought he still has had a respectable season considering what we thought he was going to be. And they just didn't have a chance. It was like JV versus varsity. Not uncompetitive. Competitive. Yeah. And it's like, that's exactly (laughs) how it felt when Tennessee played Georgia last year. Where you have a team, and I'm not saying that Florida is as nearly as good as Tennessee was a year ago, yeah. but Georgia plays these other teams, and these other teams are like being bullied. They're It's hopeless. Yeah. And it got me thinking that as we continue into this podcast, and we will continue you know, for everybody else, uh, as we go into the playoff discussions this week, I like Florida State. I think they're a really great team. I, I like what I've seen in, in spurts from Ohio state and I've seen, you know, Oregon, I really like what they're doing. We are fooling ourselves into thinking that this is a parody filled season when Georgia is going to go into death star mode, I think, and just beat the crap out of everybody along the way. And I know the, the thought processes, the sec sucks, Florida stinks, Ohio State played them closely last year, and even take Ohio State out of the equation because they're a super team too. I don't think that a team that is not built the way that Georgia is, regardless of what the transfer portal is telling us about the 247 sport composite rankings, I don't think we're advanced into the portal era enough for that to be neutralized. Georgia is my national champion. Maybe I'm overreacting. Am I overreacting? I'm torn because I want to know, are we giving Georgia too much credit when 
when they screw around with South Carolina and they're down double digits at half. And they, they screwed around last year Auburn. multiple times. I know, but I'm just saying okay. when they do that and we just say, ah, they're not focused, like, ah, they're yeah. not really invested. Are we giving them too much credit? That's my only question. Are those warts or are those like just like that's what we thought coming into the week. And then I watched today's game. And I was like, yes. oh, yeah, that's what it looks like. Well, but that's the second. We've only seen them. What has Georgia played? Eight games this year, right? Something like that. Yeah. This is only the second time that we've really without their seen, best player. That's true. That we've only that we've seen like a focused Georgia, like oh, that's a national champion, like that's the best team in the country. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly with you. I think that you go in there and you say, okay, when Georgia plays at its best, nobody can compete with them. And I, and I think, I think. And when do right. teams usually play their best? In air conditioned and domed, right? Well, not even. I don't really care about that stuff. I'm talking about when Georgia looks across to them and sees a worthy opponent and says, "Oh, you think yeah. you, you think you have us? We're gonna we're gonna take it to you." And that now could I'm be gonna, Alabama and Atlanta. Yes. It could be Florida State and New Orleans. Yes. yes. And it could be somebody else in Houston. And I don't know. I don't look at anybody else in college football this year. And we'll get to Ohio State in a second. Let's take them out of the equation. I don't see any of the newcomers in college football in terms of national championship contention. I know Michigan's the back-to-back Big Ten champ mm-hmm. that can beat that team right now. I, You know what it looks like. We cover the sport. I know we put our heads in the sand. And I think a lot of times we convince ourselves that new teams or different people are capable of doing stuff because we inherently want those teams to do it because we want new. We want interesting. We want cool storylines. But the fact of the matter is, is that this team is built the way that you need to be built. And the question is, do you think we're deep enough into the portal era where that's neutralized. Here's my counter to this, Aria, and, and this is the only case I have against this, is that the last two years, Georgia was fielding a defense that was on par with the best that we've seen in a decade of watching this sport. They have one of the best defenses in college football this year. If they get in a game where weird stuff happens and they have three turnovers, or Carson Beck is just off, uh, or you know the the left tackle you know, has the stomach flu or something like that. They're not good enough to just absolutely suffocate everyone. It's going to take. Who some are they not stuff. good enough to suffocate? Florida That's State. my question. Florida State, Oregon. So you're still convinced that Florida State has neutralized the talent gap with the portal. It's not about that. Are you? I, I agree. You don't with think you it's about that. It will be in, no, in December but when they're playing their best. Okay. I agree with you, but I'm just saying the defense made their, made their, uh, uh, margin of error so big and they didn't even need it because Stetson Bennett was so efficient and so smart and made so many good decisions. But their their margin of error was huge because of that defense. The defense can be gotten. They're not as stingy up front as they were. They're not as good on the back end as they were. They're still really good. They're still probably the best, one of the best defenses in the country. But they're not playing defense at a level where but you're here's saying, my counter this is one to of the that, best Dave. in a decade. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the 2019 playoff? The LSU, uh, Ohio State, okay, Clemson LSU, teams? Ohio State, Clemson, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That was the 2020 playoff. So, already, like, Georgia might not be as good as they were last year, mm-hmm. but the rest of the sport isn't as good as they were last year either. Like, so I think that it's... it's I, that it's, remains it's, to be seen. That remains I, to be seen. I, I just, I'm telling you, man, there is no other super team. Like, listen... Maybe Alabama will turn it on and, and go crazy. I don't know. But there are three teams in college football who are built to compete with Georgia when they care. 
on an indoor field in the air conditioning. That's Ohio State. That's Georgia. And or I mean, in Alabama, those are the two. Mm-hmm. Both of those teams are fractured versions of themselves. We're going to get to Ohio State. Yeah. Nobody ha- has a star quarterback this year. That's going to neutralize it. You might say Michael Penix Jr. I have my questions about whether or not they're even going to get there. I just don't know if I can continue with the charade that I think that anybody is physically built from top to bottom to get on that field and beat that team four quarters, especially in an indoor dome. In a, in a dome. In a dome. Sorry, I don't know why I can't say indoor dome. Maybe that's redundant. And my body's trying to stop me. I just that's where I'm at. Like, and listen, I want to I want to say something too. Like Kirby Smart is got a little edge to him. He's walking like with a little have step heard, to him. Have you heard? Did you hear the the leaked audio from practice last year before the no, Tennessee I know, game? I know. He's got but, an edge to him. I can't believe you're learning this right now. Already. People were asking him <laughs> at, in the post game news conference, and Seth Emerson showed me this audio because I was in another room when he said it. Mm-hmm. Um, about Dan Mullen, the Florida coach, predicting that Florida would win this game or the former Florida coach, I should say. I think our players hear it because they're on their phones 24-7. It bothers me that they may hear it, and they may feel anxiety and pressure from this, Kirby Smart said. At the end of the day, the quickest way to lose is to think about that stuff. So when you think about attacking somebody and coming after them every day, you have to have the mindset of the Friday the 13th. They keep killing Jason Voorhees, and he keeps coming back, man. You've got to keep going that way, and you got to – you got to keep going that way and think that way aggressively so you're not paranoid about it. And I don't see it or hear it, but I know it's out there. Somebody texted me before the game. All these people are predicting that we're going that we're not going to win today. And I'm just like, "Golly, where's that coming from?" Then the villain came out. "You're supposed to be my friend," Smart said. He didn't recruit though. So, <laughs> so like that to me is like All right, you know, like, else, listen. you know who else died and came back a lot is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Georgia might oh. be a force ghost. We got to explain force ghost to you, Ari. <laughs> yeah, let's. God, please. I wish I had never said anything about Star Wars. I can't do this. Um, and I, you know, listen, with the Star Wars thing, I know I'm the weird one. I know everybody likes it. I, I just don't like that stuff. Um, but then it kind of brought me back to Earth a little bit because Florida is pre- in this predicament that they're in where they need Billy Napier to build it brick by brick back up because they had a coach previously who wasn't as concerned with recruiting as he needed to be. Mm -hmm. And the difference in this game was what? That one team had all the good players and one didn't. And it's just like, there are a lot of very good football teams out there this year who don't have the dudes. And Florida State has Jared Verse. They have Jordan Travis. They have Keon Coleman. They've got Johnny Wilson. I know those guys are transfers. I know that they went from zero stars to first round picks potentially. But I don't even know if three guys like that are enough to neutralize it in the trenches. Um, The way that they arrive when they hit you, they are just animals in a way that other teams aren't. And I know that people hate me because I, uh, you know, I'm always talking about the big teams and everyone's. I just like don't want to be fake about it. I don't want to pretend like I don't want to be like one of these people last year who picked TCU because they wanted it to happen. I want to be as real with my with my audience as I possibly can and just say, guys, open your eyes. We're forgetting the obvious thing here. We saw it. And, you know, the saying, if somebody tells you who you are, who they are, you believe them. They're telling you, man. And the coach has got the edge that, that I want out of a coach who's won it back to back years. Their quarterback isn't a star. I know he's not, but I think he's a little bit better than people think. Like I just, 
I just don't know how you could sit here with a straight face right now and look me in the eyes and say you think somebody can beat that team in a dome. I'll, I'll I, I say this, sorry. I, I do talk to a lot of coaches, and there's a difference in how they talk about this Georgia team. The sure. last couple of years, there was like a reverence of like, a, oh my gosh, these guys. Yeah. You talked about them this year. It's not the it same. Feels I, I, talked to a co- I talked to a coach this week who basically said, hey, you know, Mizzou next week, if they could protect Brady Cook, Georgia can be gotten in the secondary. Now, protecting Brady Cook is that's a, easier said than done. But like that stuff uh, was not being said about Georgia. It was just like you got to try and survive. Hit some big plays. It was just like you can't, you know, it's a different conversation. So there's also a fair question of I think we I think Florida kind of won us over the last couple of weeks. Were we kind of maybe overrating Florida a little bit? Ari, is that possible? Did you watch the game? Ari, I watched the game. I'm just saying. Okay, I'm just saying. I, I think Georgia is very good. I agree generally with your premise. Take your analysis out of it. Take the statistics out of it. Take everything out of it. Did you watch the game? Yeah. They were throwing them around like a rag doll. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm not saying Florida's the greatest team in the world. Hell, they might be a 500 team this year. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and tell people that I think that anybody can beat this team in a dome. You can, you can continue on in the fantasy and we'll see who's right at the end of the year. But I think this is a good segue now to to the next thing, because the one thing that everybody um, is talking about or or, or commented on in Twitter and and the comments of the story is, oh, they just mow everybody over. What about Ohio State in the college football playoff semifinal? And I think that's a very good segue to the next talking point, which is Ohio State's win uh, over Wisconsin. This might have been a smaller bullet point, but they beat them. 24 to 10, Kyle McCord uh, had 226 yards passing, Trey Henderson 162 yards in a, in a game-breaking touchdown, but Ohio State also had three turnovers. They lack dynamic quarterback play, and they just don't have the offense that they've had in the past, Yeah, and their defense is much, much better than it has been the last two years. But as we always say, I'd rather have a great offense in college football with a marginal defense than an elite level defense and an offense that can't move the football. So I am. Let me let's start here. Marvin Harrison is the best player in college football this year. Um, I'm just at that point now. I've seen enough. I also think that if you can get 18 to one odds for him to win the Heisman Trophy, you should go do that. That's what they were coming into the year. Uh, I, I 18 to one is a long, long, long shot for a guy who every single time I watch Ohio State play football, they say if Marvin Harrison was on the other team that they would have won. Like, I don't know how a, a player that good who's going to have 160 yards receiving, if he goes and beats Michigan, 18 to 1 is a lot of odds. It's a lot of value. I'm not saying he's going to win it. I would go lock in 18 to 1 if I could. I don't think you'll be able to. You put up crazy win. numbers to, to win the Heisman as a receiver, though, Ari. And they're, in this offense, they're just not going to do that. I mean, he's getting 160 yards most weeks, and he scored twice and was the difference in two games. Most in a row. weeks? So, Ari. No, he too slow to start. And I think I, it's going to be four straight consecutive or four straight games with at least a hundred yards and three of the last four with 160 plus. Um, so I mean, I'm again, you don't think he's going to win the Heisman. That's fine. I think he's going to be number one on our straw poll on, on Sunday or Monday when that runs. No, he won't. 
He's on. He's not gonna be on my ballot, Ari. I'm sorry. He's on a lot of ballots. Did you see last week? I know he is. I was surprised. Did you watch this game? Because sometimes you talk, yes. and I feel like you're not watching watch the game. I okay. watched this game quite a bit. Uh, this was that on the main said, screen for me. I was curious to see Ohio State. I think is Ohio State or Alabama are the two biggest threats to Georgia this year again. Yes, I hate people don't want to hear Alabama because they've been, but they're out in the background, kind of you know sniffing around, waiting to get to Atlanta. So we're, we're gonna. You trust me, Georgia doesn't want to play Bama. Uh, not that they're afraid of them, but that's the team that they don't want to play if they had their choice. That that said, Ohio State uh, and Georgia last year, I think, was an 80-point total, or it got to 80 in the semifinal in the, game. The, I can't remember. Are you talking about in the betting or the total? No, the total like, number it was like 40-something yeah, to 40 Yeah, like 45-42. It, it was, yeah, it's high. I don't think Ohio State can engage in a game like that. No, they anybody. can't. So, no, I agree with you. You know, when you talk about national champions – I think there's obviously a huge question about whether or not Ohio State can go up to Ann Arbor and beat Michigan. I know there's a lot to that needs to be unfolded out there in, in Ann Arbor. I don't participate. I don't anticipate that impacting this year's team, but I don't think that Ohio State, even if they get past Michigan, is equipped to win that game this year. So that is also part of the reason why I'm 100% bought in in my national champion pick of Georgia because, um, you know, maybe they lose to Bama and Atlanta, maybe. And they don't make the Here, playoff at all. Here's a question all, for you, Ari. But if you had your pick between Kyle McCord, Jalen Milrow, and Carson Beck, who would you take? Probably Carson Beck. I think I would too. I don't yeah. love any of those three guys, but I think I'd take Beck out of those three. McCord does weird stuff, man. He does weird stuff, and like some of the basics, you just are kind of like, I know you're a first year starter, but like, man, like that weird uh, half grounding fumble play. Like late in the game where Ohio State was just yeah. like trying not to lose the game. It's he has like, a lot of intentional grounding penalties in general. Yeah. Um, Spencer Rattler had three in the first half of a game today. I'm not trying to act like they just beat a team on the road that was five and two. And like, I know people expect you to get on the podcast and go, look how awesome Ohio State is. And, and I, I don't want to be known as like the negative Nancy every time they win a football game. Yeah. But we're talking about the context of the national championship race. Yes. You're being and fair I just to don't Ohio see State, them. I don't, yeah, I think that they're I think that they could get to the playoff. I think they can beat Michigan. I think they yeah. could beat Michigan 24 to 20 in a game like that. Like if it came down to it, that could happen. Cuz Ohio I mean, State's defense good. It's going it to be cold. It's a rivalry game. Yeah. They cannot win a game against a team as athletic as Georgia in a dome 42 to 40. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Michigan... Have how many? What percentage of Michigan or of Ohio State's signs does Michigan have during the? Game? How much did they have last year? 
Well, that's open for debate. They said they changed them, but like, we'll see. We'll we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do they wholesale change them or do they just move them around a little bit? That's again, are th- these are all like really granular questions that coaches are never going to answer. They'll just say, oh, we changed our signs. Well, what does that mean? Because you probably didn't change all of them. You got to explain that all to your team. You only let's pretend. Let's pretend that the sign ceiling thing wasn't a thing for a minute. I think Ohio okay. State. If you would have asked me three years ago, could Michigan beat Ohio State three years in a row? I would have wagered my life and my house that they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And they've proven me wrong the last two years. Mm -hmm. If they do it again and they're the favorite, I mean, I will just be dumbfounded. I don't think that. You should go. You could go into this game saying Ohio State can't win. I think that would be fair, unfair. It's not about can't. It's just about yeah. like it's going to take something special from Ohio State to win this game. But I'm sitting here right now and saying I don't think I think Ohio State can't beat Georgia. No, I don't think Michigan can if beat that, Georgia. If the either. scenario that I laid out for you, if you have three turnovers, you get some weird stuff happening. Ohio State can beat Georgia because they can they can slow Georgia's offense down enough to keep them under like 27 and they, and they might need to need a, you might need a big player too. Do you to think Ohio State can score 20. 31 against Georgia right now? No, but I think they could hold Georgia under 27, 24. That's really possible. Again, Georgia. I mean, listen, this is the same team If Auburn can hold Georgia 27 points. I think Ohio State can manage. Okay. I, Ohio State you has, you can't just go nitpick with the ass game on their schedule. I'm not, like, but I'm just saying it's not the I, way the sport works. I know Everybody that has I'm bad just games. Saying, I know that, you know, but they have the bodies to slow them down. So I, I am, I'm not. And the only reason why I'm even having this discussion right now on October 28th is that we just were discussing the college football playoff, what the rankings are potentially going to look like and who your national champion pick is. If I don't pick Ohio state to beat Georgia, I don't know who else I'm going to in that discussion. I don't, don't think, think Michigan, Michigan. Can beat Georgia. I think Michigan why? is a worse version of Georgia. I think I think the only way Georgia struggles against other teams are Michigan's people that better have on the line. You're not you're, you're underrating Michigan on the line of scrimmage. They are a worse version of Georgia. Is that is that a hot take? Their offensive line is better than Georgia's. Sorry. So you think that they're on par with Georgia, Michigan, from an athlete level? Did you hear not anything I said the last twenty? Not minutes? necessarily athletes, sorry, but they can compete on the line of scrimmage, and they. Can I know they Georgia. can. That's the most but, important part of the game. No, no, no. I think that. Skill position players and dynamic playmaking ability with freak athletes on the outside that that ooze athleticism is the way that you beat Georgia. Georgia has you don't guys beat Georgia on paper. by trying to out Georgia. Georgia. Georgia has guys on paper that should be game breakers. Ra Ra Thomas, uh, Dom Lovett. They aren't. They have not been. They may. They maybe they are by the time they play him. Oscar Delp. I like what I saw from him today. We'll see what Brock Bowers is when he comes back. Okay. There's a person here too, and I want to. I want to mention this that keeps talking about Texas. Texas is a sneaky, interesting team that I don't think that we should, in terms of talent and game-breaking ability, like Xavier Worthy, JT Sanders, healthy Quinn Ewers playing well, Jonathan Brooks, like and a really, really good offensive line. Like I think that they match up better than Michigan does with, with a team that... With Georgia? I, I just do, yeah. I think that you need to have an well, Xavier Worthy. Well, the skill your position team. talent, you're you're probably right about that, but I you need I, you're not going to out like you th- you think they're just going to Blake Corum Georgia to death? No, and bludgeon them the can, way that Georgia beats everybody they play. No, that's not how that's going to go. But they, I I think the idea is that they have enough through the air, enough to keep them honest, where Georgia can't just put seven guys in the box. Do you think if you polled the chat right now that they can name a single Michigan receiver? 
I mean, we can ask. <laughs> Go ahead, everybody, real quick. Name a receiver on Michigan's football team right now. <laughs> do, I think they have, do, do, they have better do, weapons do, than Penn State. Do, do, I think ultimately do, do, what we're what do, we're talking do, do, about do, do, though, do. though, is that no one's no one's typing anything. <laughs> okay, is that the game fair. we played with Penn State too? Uh, I believe so. Okay, Brady Miller, you get. I'm going to send you a prize. You get a free car wash. <laughs> it's a problem that everyone's naming the same guy. I mean, Roman Wilson is who I would have named. That's you get fair, the point, though. Yeah. I I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Stephen Small. Okay. Oh, yeah. Roman Wilson. All right. Do we want how much do we want? Do we want to hit on North Carolina coughing it up? Sure. Georgia North Tech Carolina just lost to Georgia Tech, man. I don't know. God, I, I didn't really have eyes it. on this. I didn't really. I mean, I, I'm kind of. Once North Carolina lost last year, last week, I'm kind of like, I just, I don't trust you. This is why, you know, we don't trust you. You do weird things. You lose games you shouldn't lose. And this is, this is it. This is Dave, North I think, Carolina experience. I think this is a very good time. Because that was a very heavy conversation to remind people. Mm-hmm. Voicemail number is 316-462-9852. <laughs> Again, the voicemail number is 316-462-9852. Um, we're getting to the point in the season where we're going to start having heavy handed conversations about national championship pictures. And I know that people get upset and fired up and that's my favorite part of the sport. And I'm going to miss it dearly when we can't do it anymore. But if you don't like anything that me or Dave just said that Auburn point, for instance, if you want to latch on to whatever that meant, please, uh, leave a voicemail. We want to hear from you. You agree. You disagree. Um, I wrote a column from the stadium in Jacksonville. Uh, Georgia's Friday the 13th mentality and how it could kill the par- the parody fairy tale. That was my column off of the game. I would encourage you to go read it if you haven't. And, you know, let's get back into the rest of the sport here. So, yeah, North Carolina is just uh, a disappointing, like the disappointing child that, you know, has all the tools in the world to maybe go to medical school and they just party it away. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Like last week with the Virginia game, like, come on, man. I know. I didn't watch. I thought they were going to. I thought they were going to Charlotte, man. Game tracker, but they were up most of the game. I was kind of like, Georgia Tech's not going to get there. And then we started the show, and people were like, and it kept getting there and kept getting there. I was like, (laughs) "Ah." like, oh, I'm hang lighting. I'm hang lighting. I'm dead. Okay. So yeah, it's (laughs) easier to watch. I watch a lot when I'm at home. I have let's see, six screens at my disposal that I kind of move around. But yeah, just so everybody knows, Dave needs 15 minutes to move his game watching setup. To his office, and I don't know if he has a briefcase or a rolling suitcase or something. It's like a three-trip situation. Just, just get an have, iPad, dude. Just get an iPad. No, here's the thing. I have the the TV, the main TV, and then I bring my office TV out, and I put that on there, and then I have my work laptop, and then I do the custom multi-view on the second laptop where I have four windows that I go, you know, one game here. I feel like I would have a stroke if I was watching football the way you do. I, I, I don't even know how you how you could watch nine games at the same time. That's just the way my brain works. I want to have one yeah. game that I'm featured on that I'm mostly watching. But when I want to check in on a game, I don't want to look at the game tracker. I want to get a sense of, okay, you can just you can see a lot. And then it goes to commercial. You're watching something else. Some, it's not for everyone. I want like I, I watch. I feel like I would. It, there's so much information that way that I would miss everything. But I've been doing something similar to this for like. 15 years it's just how i consume the sport because there's so much happening and you just you learn your brain learns to compartmentalize i don't know i watched red zone one time with my dad and he about passed out and was like how do you what is this and i was just like this is how i watch like you know the nfl i just watch red zone 
and just like I, there's something to that. Like, but I think when you do this job, you just you can't just watch one game. Uh, yeah. You really just can't like because we got to talk about it. There's all kinds of stuff happening. You have, I mean, I can't see everything, but I see a lot. So, you know. Well, listen, I, I we're 44 minutes in here, and we have a hell of a lot still to talk about. We do. So why we don't we do. why don't we just do real quick? Penn State, um, super grab assy game against Indiana, 133 to 24. Um, Michigan is in two weeks, and <laughs> I don't this, know if it's, all right. We got to coin this our new section. This is our nuts in the oven section nuts in the oven section uh <laughs> drew aller 210 passing yards three touchdowns but he had a, a costly pick at the end there that might have lost them the game in another world i don't know and like one of your sci-fi movies if you could have an alternate universe <laughs> or like, if you're playing I mean, someone i don't know all right did you i gotta all right i gotta calm down because i might I, I might yell this segment did you see the indiana possession after that after the interception yeah. So if you it's did like not don't see even try this, to score. if you did not see this, Drew Aller throws a terrible pick. Indiana takes it down. They get it to like the 20 yard line of Penn State. They're down three. There was what? Six minutes left. Something like that. It was not it was like, like it was five and a half minutes left. Yeah, it was not like crunch crunch time, but like you've been given a gift. It was uh, nuts in the oven time, though, for sure. Yes. Indiana down three, five and a half minutes left on the road at Penn State is a 31 and a half point favorite or underdog. Run between the tackles, run between the tackles, run between the tackles, kick a field goal to tie the game. I like if you are on that offense or you are that quarterback or receiver on that team. Do I want to hear what you mumbled underneath your breath as you came? I back think they the answer sideline? the transfer portal from their cell phone on the sidelines. That's outrageous. You got to at least try. That is man. outrageous. I'd rather I go four and out on it. four straight passes past the sticks than than do what they did. I just dude. And then, I, how I many plays Edwards later did Penn State ear. score? Like four plays later, they Not were in the end zone. Many. Yeah, that was when that was when Haller hit that bomb. Just chuck, chuck it up, it deep. chuck Just it deep. Chuck it deep. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't but, know the context of that chuck it deep, jo- chuck it deep joke, I guess some reporter asked James Franklin like a month ago on a conference call or something about like, do you ever just tell Drew Aller <laughs> to chuck it deep and give his players a chance and like, like. He was this James Franklin was disgusted by the question. And he goes, I have no idea what you're talking about because I have no idea. what you're." And he kept trying to like get him to reiterate. And the reporter kept trying to be like, you know, just like throw it up. Just chuck it deep. And and, and James Franklin just basically was like, no, we've never once told a quarterback that it's chuck. And since then, there's been a clip of practice where they were running a just like a pass scale. And you could hear James Franklin just chuck it deep. <laughs> and but anyway, by he the did way, just chuck Penn it deep. State literally won the game by chucking it deep <laughs> yeah, today. But that, that, uh, so. that sequence from Indiana, I mean, I had Herm Edwards in my ear. You play to win the game. No, Indiana like, doesn't play to win games. It's like Tom Hurst level. I was just like, Tom Allen's like going to get doing? fired because of that. <laughs> like even in the Ohio State game, oh. they weren't even trying, and they weren't they weren't being dominated. I just man, that is it was so bad, so bad, but. It's uh, kind of hard to envision a scenario where Penn State uh, wins either of their games against Ohio State and Michigan. We had a long discussion on Stars Matter this week about whether or not James Franklin is an elite recruiter and what you think about him as a coach. That was last Wednesday's episode. We don't have to go into it now. But if you want to hear a 20, 25-minute discussion about James Franklin, we had that already. Um, next up here on my on my list of things to get to, uh, USC. You want to talk about that for a second? It looked like they were giving up on the season. Nobody's they were down 14 in the fourth quarter, and they ended up beating Cal 50-49. to 49. That is an absolutely hilarious score. I was with Andy Staples at the game, 
and we were joking after it was like, have you ever seen a coach go from undisclosed salary because it's so much money to <laughs> like this program is broken quicker. Now we might not be at this program as broken stage because they ended up beating Cal, but you shouldn't need a failed two point conversion with less than a minute left to, to escape and winning 50 to 49, you know, Caleb Williams, 369 passing yards, four total touchdowns, you know, did what he had, could, had to do. To, but that's just like, you know, I was joking that people were giving Caleb Williams the go ahead to go ahead and sit out the rest of the year because he's going to be the number one overall pick. And it looked like USC was trying to sit out for the rest of the year before he did. Big quite an offseason for Lincoln. I, I I don't really know, like, how much of this is personnel, how much of this is, uh, it seems like you're going to have to make a change at, at defensive coordinator. If you don't, you're knocking on the door of a, a Brian Ferentz situation where it's so toxic and it's so, it's so reflexive that it defines your program and it's, yep. it becomes actually a distraction where that's the only thing people want to talk about in your program. And that is a problem because you're still running a business here and you want to be attractive to people. And when the only thing we'll talk about is he won't fire his defense coordinator, the defense is terrible, all this stuff. That, well, that I will an issue. be very concerned if he doesn't like if they, yes. you know, moving on. I mean, part of the reason why I was so reactive is because that they won't fire the coordinator. So, you know, yeah. we'll see what USC does, but I think they're in real danger of potentially losing four or five games this year. Yeah, they're just not a good. When you look at the team. schedule ahead. They they still haven't played Washington and Oregon. They still have UCLA, who absolutely, speaking of suffocated, suffocated uh, Colorado today, as we predicted on the show on Thursday, Ari, or at least someone did. Yep, and you know I think that there is a legit question of like, I don't know if it's like bad, but he had a really really bad public statement on Wednesday or Thursday of this week talking about recruiting California. And I agreed I I with it. This. I didn't know that he he should have said what he said. And Antonio Morales, our USC beat reporter, did a really good job. He asked the question and then wrote the story. But uh, basically was saying we're not going to reach for guys. Here, I'll read it real quick. As far as recruiting, whether it be national or local, to me, it's kind of all the same. How do you build the best roster you can of the guys that are available to go recruit? Because at the end of the day, if you go win the national championship and you have a roster mixed from all over the country, Nobody's going to say, ah, oh, well, that's great. You won a national championship, but you don't have 80% local guys. The flip side is if you don't have a good year, they're not going to say, well, at least he has a bunch of California kids on his team. You clearly have to go do a great job recruiting locally, but I told you guys when I got here, it's about getting the right guys. I think my in my evaluation of the program we got here and started looking at my roster, I think that there were a lot of players from the state of California that, in my opinion, should not be on the USC roster for one reason or the other. Hiding behind the curtain of, well, at least they're from California, doesn't do a program any good. Yeah, we want to get California kids. We want to get uh, local kids. We want them to be the right kids, the right kind of kids, the right kind of students, right kind of players that fit that what we're doing in our building. No one, uh, that not ones that go against the grain of what we're building. I think that is correct. I think that's fair. Why the freak would you say that? Well, I'll say this, Ari. I, I don't know as much about California high school football. In Texas, he would have a real issue on his hand if he said that. Yeah. I think that the, it's similar. The I don't Texas know if it's high school quite coaches as coaches have a lot of power and they care a lot. And, and if you run afoul of them, what do you gain by saying that? Yeah. It doesn't help you. Like it I'm happy he did, you. but like, here's the thing. I agree with him. Like, can yeah. you agree with him, but also go, Ooh, I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. Like, so I just kind of have this like weird feeling in my, at the pit of my stomach. 
And I feel like Andy Staples is like Debo uh, coming to collect his money and rip my, my, my grandma gave me this chain, you know, he's going to or my mama or whatever. I am starting to question the long-term prospects of USC's football program. I and I'm too. doing it 16, 18 months after he was hired. That is a appalling thought process for somebody like me who was convinced they were going to be um, elite. I, I, thought that, I, I, kinda, yeah. I thought they would be too, Ari. I mean, ultimately, it's not even just that, you know, your defense isn't very good. Half of your team, in the face of having good enough personnel to be merely not a good defense, is a very bad defense. And that all you have to be is basically not good to be mm-hmm. a Pac-12 contender. They are not that. Uh, the offensive line is another issue. We've talked about it on here quite a bit. Uh, the offense isn't just like a juggernaut, but they do have, you know, the best quarterback in the in the country. So you should be better than they are. Um, but they I'd be curious to see some of their short yardage numbers because uh, they don't just line it up. They do some really creative stuff in short yardage situations, uh, but they're not that physical. And and the pass blocking has been actively bad. So, you know, I, okay. I, I'm, I'm kind of done with USC. I just they're yeah, yeah. they're not a, they're not seriously. We, we take them too seriously. Like they're just. Yeah, you know, they're not a contender to do anything this year. I don't think. OK, just a few quick things and then I want to get into an important segment, which is coaches throwing their own players under the bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we saw a few instances of that on Saturday, but South Carolina fell to two and six Texas A&M approves the 30 and or Texas A&M wins uh, 30 to 17. Um, it's very strange, but Shane Beamer like was a darling of a coach a month ago. Hey, six weeks ago. And like, now it's like, how do you feel about him? And then also did Jimbo get to suspend his uh, fire, uh, fire Jimbo stuff for another week. Like what, where are we at with both these coaches? No, you have to go from a macro perspective because when you're talking about the Jimbo situation, if they would have lost today, people thought he would have fought. had been fired like soon. Like, right. Okay. Isn't that like a thing? From a macro perspective, Jimbo has underachieved by so much that one win over South Carolina doesn't do anything. It it calms it for like a week until the next time you lose. And the next time you lose, the people zoom out. It gets hotter. Here come all the stats to tell you how bad it is. This is kind of the inverse of the Shane Beamer thing. First of all, they got a bajillion injuries. I think they got like seven offensive linemen that are out. Uh, they did get killed by the portal last year. You know, Jordan Birch is at Oregon. Jaheim Bell's at Florida State, two teams that are pretty good at football right now. And their their offensive line is just a, in terrible, terrible shape right now. And that you can't really control. But it's a bad year. And But you look at him from a macro perspective, you overachieve so much your first two years. that You know, this loss is frustrating, and I get all that. Um, you know, we'll see what he does. Uh, you know, Dow Loggins has, has not been, uh, you know, incredible so far, but when your offensive line is in the shape that it is and their best receiver, Juice Wells has basically been on the field for like 10% of the season. So it just, it's kind of just a, a, a lost year, uh, in, in Columbia. And I don't think it says a ton about Beamer personally. And he's recruiting pretty well. Um, that is always, that always, that always yeah. quiets people, you know. Yeah, Eli Drinkwitz didn't have a winning season, and he got an extension in part because you know how hard it is to get the best recruiting class in school history coming off of a five and seven year. Yeah, you don't see that very often. So recruiting is always going to be something that can, can never get you. too much hope. You can never get too much hope. Yeah. So those are two programs that we're going to c- continue to track moving forward. Miami had a tough go of it with Virginia. They won an overtime. 
in an exciting game. I was sitting next to our Miami beat writer at the Florida game because he was covering the Florida game with me, and uh, he was we were watching the Miami game together. And so a talented guy, Manny Navarro, covering Florida uh, for the day. And Manny also, Diaz? I thought I said, got it wrong again. Let me, oh, I actually got right. it right. I was like, did I say right. Manny Diaz again? <laughs> um, okay. Coaches throwing their own players under the bus. I think we have a sound clip here. Um, I don't know which ones we have. We Producer have Cam Molina is incredible, but go ahead one and play them. One from Dave Doran, one from um, Mike Loxley at Maryland. Okay. Well, I mean, when, you, when, you, when you lose like you lost today, you had a tough one last week. You know, why is it? You know, I'll go back. I mean, you, you, as a football coach, you, you know, you lose a lot of good players. A year ago, you think as a coach you're going to, you know, you're going to replace them. We obviously have it. And, um, you know, uh, you know, Again, starts with me, um, and um, you know I didn't I didn't do a good enough job coaching today, and you know put it on put it on me, um, and uh, I mean, we got to make plays. So you know just comes down to you know making plays and, and doing a better job coaching. Give us scheme, put things in place, and we both have a responsibility within that relationship, coach and player. Players got to make plays, and coaches got to make sure we coach better. And both those plays were plays that could and should have been made, and they weren't. But that was the story of the day for us. This goes back, Ari. I think they're both correct. It's the right. You're not wrong. Oh boy, what you said. that is not the take. But yeah, <laughs> but you're, yeah, you're, don't but say you're it. correct. But at the end of the day, like for better or worse, there is an element. Loxley was correct. Well, Narduzzi is also correct, Ari. It's his there- fault. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I, I agree with you. There's problems. There's issues with why the players are what they are. But at the end of the day, they didn't make plays. Either way, there's an element of politics to this. And there's an element of keeping your locker room. And, you know, it's just not it's not it's not great. And it just never plays. It never plays because I think in a coach's yeah. mind, he's saying, oh, well, people are going to try to bury me. But like our coaches doing a good job, we got players in position to make plays. And if you think, well, if I make it clear that it's the players and not me, it might help me. It doesn't help you. It never helps you. It doesn't. Let me help promise you. you something, Tom G. Who writes players get played like pros? They can take the blame. I'll agree with this thought process when they actually do. I don't think the pit players are played like pros. I don't know if Maryland's players are paid like pros. Um, yeah, probably not. I don't know what it is. I think that. Um, Narduzzi is a good football coach. I do too. I I think that he has done a very good job at Pitt. I think he's the perfect person that they would need in that position. I don't like the way he says things sometimes. I don't, I don't, I I just, I I don't know why you would do that. And any coach who is the CEO of a program who has his own players retweeting his own comments on Twitter after the game, like this can't be real a word, all the things that they were saying, it's like, damn, like that's a problem, you know? And it's like, also too, how do you recruit players to play for you? And that's your attitude. I just, I don't know. The full quote wasn't that much better than the sort of quote on Twitter. And 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 also on top of that, people want to say, well, he said, put it on me. No, 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 no. When you say the thing about the players, that's his way of saying, put it on me. It's like, that's, that's, your, what happened is, is your brain flipped into honest mode in in a way that will be acting in uh, not in accordance with self preservation, and then your coach speak mode flipped on, but it was too late because you already let the toothpaste out of the tube. That's the reason. you know, and I also just like was irritated about the lid comment that he made about nil earnings. You know, it's like well, sure. why would you say that? 
you know, he says a lot of things that I feel like would be counterproductive um, in his quest to accumulate the talent that he says he doesn't have. You know, that's, I I think that that is the, the crux of it. So, you know, I give or take whatever you want about like whether the quote that was floating around on Twitter was perfect. I don't think that it was the exact quote, but the spirit of what he said, he said that yeah, the full transcript was slightly better. If the full transcript, it wouldn't have gone viral, but the heart of what he was saying was, was accurate. And that is not going to do you any favors again, even if you're right. It's a lot. I mean, Ari, listen, it's not that much unlike a marriage. Do you want to be right or do you want to recruit? I've never been <laughs> right? right before in my marriage. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally the exact same thing. Do you want to be right or do you want to be able to recruit? Stay married. I'm not saying you're wrong. Yes, I'm not saying you're wrong, but just some things are better left unsaid, even if it's accurate. It doesn't help you. Nebraska showing some life. How are we talking about Nebraska? They won. That's good, but I know we're talking about Nebraska. I mean, other games to note. I mean, listen, we got got to touch on Ari. Did Oregon do anything for you today? Oh yeah. How do we forget that? Thank you. That's on the rundown too. Yeah, Oregon. (laughs) Oregon did uh, do something for me. They did something for me in the Washington game too. I I am all in on Lanning. Yeah, I love I love his his. I think that like his play call was the exact opposite of the Narduzzi quote, just like not said. Yeah. In terms of like we have our guys and we're gonna trust them. Bo Nick team is on the floor. Two hundred and fifty six total yards, three touchdowns. Um, Franklin, their wonderful receiver, who I believe was a five star recruit, is uh, a beast. Washington is out there. What is it? Putting their nuts in the oven. A lot and of nuts in the I oven. I think in there's a you know I don't know like Utah beating Utah on the road thirty five to six is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, even if it. E- all right, we we I we were we were both skeptical of Utah, the smoke and mirrors, duct tape and twine. Situation. You were right. You were right. I was. Just for the record, the Utah fans were mad at me. I said, I, "You just did I the know. thing you said you would never do." You're right, but you did the thing you said <laughs> you wouldn't do. Because I've watched Utah, and I'm like, I get why people have to rank them so high, but this is not one of the 15 best teams in the country. But did you see? All right, did you see Dan Lanning on game day this morning? I didn't. No, I was by was the incredible. water. In it was so good. So they brought him on, first of all, and you'll like this. You'll like this, Ari. They said that they think he's the first coach to come on the game day desk uh, at an away game. At an away game, game yeah. Yes. And so he was getting booed, and he's like, he's like, hey, did you see all these people? They really like Bo. They're saying, Bo, Bo. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost as loud in here as Austin Stadium, man. It's crazy. <laughs> it was <laughs> so good. It was so good. And I think ultimately, like, you need a coach that, like, you know, can handle that stuff and do well. And, and I think the way that he is, you know, whether it's the, the Colorado pregame speech or, uh, you know, that sort of game day moment or, you know, the thing that he's putting out on the field, Dan Lanning, he's having a bit of a, he's having a bit of a come up this year. Uh, I think people saw it last year, um, but didn't really pay attention to it because the first game was so bad and, and, and Oregon didn't really get any juice until like the last month of the season. By the way. Yes. Like at the beginning of last year. What are we talking Shh. about? Oh, 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 yeah. All right, Cam, cut that clip, please, for when Oregon plays Georgia in the playoff, please. I'm just uh, saying, <laughs> it's not going to look like that. Already. We it's stopped not. paying attention to them last year because they lost to Georgia the way that they did, and it's like, well, what a nice fortune that they haven't had to it's play. It's not going to look like that, Ari. Okay, it might, it'll be better. It'll be Ari, it'll be can better. I, 
Can I get? Let's have another thousand dollar bet. I get forty six points, and you Putty, get Georgia. <laughs> How many? And, if, and if you get Georgia, and I get forty six points. And if they beat them by more than forty six points in the playoff, no, then no I owe you thousand dollars. <laughs> I don't think the score could. Be, I think it could look similar without the score being as lopsided, though. The soul sucking is, is the Maybe. is the thing I'm focused on here, not the scoreboard. We'll see. We'll see. I think this Oregon team is a lot better, but but we'll they see. are a lot better. And I, I you know, <laughs> listen, when Oregon lost to Washington, I was like, this is one of the top four teams in America. Yes, yes. I, and I still think that it's possible to be number four or five or six and and then get your soul sucked out. Um. So I, I think that they uh, are certainly. I think they're going to be in Vegas, and I think we're going to get a chance to potentially see them play Washington again and. It's funny. Well, one team is trending up and one team is trending down after they went head to head. And, you know, that game was decided on the road in the last minute. And, uh, you know, I think that it, people hate when this happens. And I hate to be the, the person who says it, but the team that lost the head to head matchup, I think, is the better team. I, I feel the same way about that game. And people do get really mad, but I'm sorry. What if the college football playoff committee just puts Oregon ahead of Washington? Like that stuff happens, you know? Well, Washington hadn't lost yet. Am I correct? They haven't lost yet. But I'm saying, like, by, by at the end of the year, if it's a one loss, one loss scenario, and Oregon's one oh, loss yeah. is Washington, and they're playing in Vegas going into the game, and Oregon's well, I mean, higher, like that stuff, stuff happens like all this. the time. Ari, the committee does value game control. You keep doing stuff like like Washington's in the last couple of weeks, uh, you're gonna have a problem on your hands. Are we potentially gonna get through this podcast without you doing a Colorado thing, or you do you want you want to? I speak mean, we about can talk. That? We can talk Colorado. I, this wasn't that interesting of a game. Uh, any game Colorado that plays covered, out by exactly the way. Like I told you, you seventeen points was too much. Oh, they did. Interesting. I didn't. I mean, I kind of tuned out. I mean, that's a, a that's a back door, is it not? You tuned out of a Colorado game? <laughs> I did. I if did. you're tuning out of the Colorado games, and I think the country's tuning out of the Colorado I had games. Col- I had Colorado on my like fourth screen tonight. I was not the really fourth game on the fourth screen. No, I had no. I had them. They were like the second. I don't really rank my four little. Windows, I don't think that you could explain the way your windows work. They were on the second screen. I don't. I'm not following this. It's like so uh, I, have you're six, in a, I have six screens. The first two are large. Six number screens. One. Yeah, I've explained this on this episode already. Anyway, I had Colorado on like the fourth or fifth one, and I Dude, was kind of paying an air, attention. An air but. traffic control booth. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I, I didn't. I just because I thought they were going to get punked in that game, and they mostly did. I mean, they whatever the backdoor cover, but like they were not competitive in that game for most of it. So yeah, go good yeah. on go good on Oregon, uh, good on Washington. You know, I think that USC has probably removed itself from discussion. That was Utah's second loss now. So as we get down here. Uh, we're at halftime of the Oregon State Arizona game. I'm going to watch the second half when we hang up here. But I think Oregon State is the only other team in the Pac-12 that only has one loss outside of USC and and Oregon. So we're down to four teams who are still technically alive in that race. But it seems like a Washington Oregon race at this point. So yeah, well they're the two best teams. You got to prove it. There's enough good teams in the Pac-12 that are going to make you prove it. Um, you know Oregon State, Washington. I guess we'll throw USC in there just because they're going to play and they do have a rating Heisman winner, whatever. As flawed as they are, they are still somewhat dangerous. And but I see you, Arizona. I see you getting yeah. better. I like see you fighting like, every like week. The, yeah, that, the, even like the third class of the Pac-12 is just like you better bring it or else you're you got to show beat. up. Yeah, yes, you got to show up. I okay. The let's Pac-12 just Pac-12 has been living up to it. I, did I, you I love this league this year? They're so fun and good and physical and 
well-schemed, well-coached. The Pac-12, like, I've had to watch a lot of Big Ten the last couple weeks, and it I freaking hate it. It just is not the kind of football that I love watching. Like this Which Ohio conference? State, Wisconsin, the Big Ten. Ohio State, oh. Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State. It's just not a fun game. It's not fun. I'm super football. excited for uh, USC to join the Big Ten and play Utah every yeah. week. It's going to be great for them. Um, <laughs> it's, you're not wrong. Yeah. Here, here's a few quick games, but the, before we get to them, lastly, did you watch Malik Murphy play football today? A little bit. A little bit. It wasn't that competitive, so I had them on like a very small screen and I was kind of glancing over at it, but it wasn't really competitive. So I kind of, we're going to have to break down. I'm going to go back and rewatch that game. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe on the airplane tomorrow on the way home. I want to, I, I know that like he didn't play great early, but Texas still took control and it didn't really matter. Um, I think that the biggest game potentially of the weekend next weekend is that one, uh, yeah. Kansas state, Texas. So, uh, they all eyes on Malik Murphy and all exactly that stuff. I'd want to play, um, a few other scores, Tennessee beat Kentucky 33 to 27, uh, Air Force stayed perfect in a 30 to 13 win over Colorado State. In the snow. I did watch yes. that one. That was good. Uh number 18 Louisville keeps ACC Championship game hopes alive with a win uh 23 nothing over Duke. Nebraska, which is the segment that I was trying to get to, but you aptly saved us from missing out on the Oregon discussion. Um Man, Nebraska. Good 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 for you. Impressive. Good for you. Good That's for you. Like- Competent Nebraska, and as this is the as this is looked, the Nebraska I thought still. we were going to get this year. Yeah, the competent Matt Rule Nebraska. Maybe it took a few weeks into the season to get there, but they've now won five out of the last six games. The one game they lost to was a uh, demoralizing loss to Michigan, but they've got Michigan State, Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa left on their schedule. I think they can be competitive in all of those games, and I think they can win all of them if they play well. Weird to say, the Big Ten West, man, you just throw a dice. The, Nebraska could be an eight win team this year. And I think if that's the case, after what we saw in the uh, beginning of the year, like Matt rule is like, I just want to give you a a nice like power hug of like, good job, man. Um, The thing I love about the big 10 West is that everybody is alive to be the big 10 West representative in the big 10 championship game in November. Speaking of people, I don't probably seriously. And I wanted to thank Iowa for not playing today. I feel like, more energized and rejuvenated as a human going into the Sunday sound off episode. And how about this, Dave? I don't know if you've got the rundown ahead in front of you here. I am looking well, why don't you right do now. the high five for G5 Let's by quickly acknowledging the five best G5 results. All right. Well, Ari takes a nap while we talk about the G5 or you Hold need on. to vomit in the other room, Ari. That's fine. Whatever, whatever you got to do. <laughs> UMass gets it done. Beats army today. They add a second win. Uh, haven't won that many games since 2018. They had four. SMU today, 69 points. They could have scored 100 on them. Forget half 100. SMU was up, I believe, 52 to like three at halftime. It was, I mean, they were scoring at will against Tulsa. We questioned the Kevin Wilson hire at Tulsa. You never know. You never want to put too much emphasis on a year one coach, but uh, it's not going great at Tulsa. Also, Scott in the chat says SMU could win the Big T- the Big Ten West. I totally agree. Actually, SMU is very good. Uh, Memphis coughed up a 21 point lead, basically lost this game somehow. And then Seth Hennigan threw a touchdown pass. 12 seconds left to win 45, 42 wild game. Uh, should have seen that one coming. North Texas, man. Ari, I assume you watch a lot of North Texas games. You do. I do. I do. Yeah. They are wild to watch. Every game has like a hundred points. It's very funny. I bet the under Uh, of that game today, by the way. 
Good job, Ari. Well done. It was great. Uh, yeah, I would love that 35.4th quarter to get over. It was speaking awesome. of speaking of games, Ari might have bet today. Uh, Ari, we warned you on the Thursday show. I believe I said Boise is going to go to the playoff this year, and you were dead set on yeah. going with Wyoming was, anyway. <laughs> Boise beats, of, beats Wyoming 32 to uh, 7, outgained them 443 to 112. That was my lock of the week. I put out a ton of money on Saturday, and my final tally for the day up $25. Nice. Well done. You know right. how much stress and pain and anguish goes on for that 12 hours only to finish the day even? It's just, you know, but hey, You're it's not better even, than a big, You're up a big red day. I don't know what happened to Boise. I kind I watched this game. I had it on one of the smaller screens, and every time I looked up, they were running for like nine yards. I just. Yeah, I think Wyoming just got their ass kicked. Yeah, if, uh, that's. That seems like. Yeah, I didn't see like. that coming. That was my lock of the of the week, and it's I'm three. And it was three crazy because are we, 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 we talked about the Vegas aspect of it. I think 85 to 90% of the money was on Boise and the line didn't move. And it feels that feels like a Vegas. Special. I thought I had something there. I, I thought, thought I had you did, too. There. I thought you did, too. But you didn't. Your lock uh, of then, the week was UCLA, uh, Colorado under 63 and a half. That wasn't yeah, even close. That was to a hitting. walk in the you park. Did, yes. That was a hit for you. Congratulations. And then Chris's our Chris Vanini. Uh, his lock of the week was Ohio minus seven. They lost by 14 to Miami of Ohio. So oh. you suck, Chris. One last thing before we get out of here, Dave, that we didn't mention. All right, wait, we got and one more G5 be- I got to hit on. Oh, uh, one. Okay. Grayson okay, McCallis, Coastal Carolina, beats Marshall 34 to six. Uh, shout That's out to Tim win. Beck. Yeah, shout out to Tim Beck in year one. You lose Grayson McCall, you still get it done. Tip of the cap to the Chanticleers. Clemson lost again. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Or... Is it, I it is tweeted it this is. out today, but they have lost four ACC games this year. They're now two and four in the ACC. From 2017 to 2022, they lost four total ACC games. And I think this is the first time that they've lost four or more games since like 11? 10. Or something like that? 10. A long time ago? Today. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the wheels are falling off. I hope Dabo didn't make any insensitive comments about mental health in the postgame news conference, but things are pretty tough. Uh, there right now and listen unless Clemson goes out and like gets like 26 guys in the portal and just has a whole massive like massive departure of the way they're building their program right now like I don't see the hope for the future and anybody well, who's listened to the show for the last two years knows what my take has been on Clemson I've seen their slow uh, reaction to adapting I've seen their recruiting rankings go down and this is the result of that it's players it's a player game it's not hard you know who I would be who has to do some thinking right now, Ari? It's Garrett Riley. Because if you're a young coach, the shine comes off you quick. And I think he's still got it. But if you get out of there after one year and you say, they didn't give me autonomy, we're doing all this, you know, weird Clemson offense stuff or whatever. And maybe he does have autonomy. It certainly doesn't look like it. This doesn't look like the offense that we saw TCU run last year. But if you're sitting there and, and, Dabo's going to have his hand in the offensive meetings and saying, well, this is what we want to do offensively. If you're Garrett Riley, this has gone really bad and you were supposed to come in there and fix it. But if you don't have autonomy to do what you want to do, eh, you, you might, you might be shopping at the end of the year. And then where does Clemson go? Interesting question. Where's the live by Yanni? Thank you guys so much for tuning into the latest edition of Until Saturday. Be sure you're following the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that you'll be notified when the new episodes are up. If you like watching on the YouTube channel and you're here right now with us, please continue to do so. We really appreciate your participation. 
I want to give out the Sunday sound off voicemail line one more time. That is 316-462-9852. That's 316-462-9852. We will be live on Sunday evening at 730 before the uh, Sunday night football game to uh, listen to what you guys have to say. Talk about the games a little bit more. You know, I, I always feel like when you have 24 hours to let the games and the dust settle that you have more perspective mm-hmm. the next day. So you I'm looking forward to doing that, that. that. Georgia is not an unstoppable wagon of a team. That I'm going to sleep on it. Anybody. I'm going to sleep on it. <laughs> I'm going to sleep on it. But, you know, we, we do don't we do have a hard time filling out our top four, um, which makes Tuesday incredible. I, I don't know how they're going to rank these teams. Yeah. I don't know who's going to be mad. People are going to be mad. angry. Uh, remember it doesn't really matter because a lot of these teams that are left out of the top four on Tuesday will still be controlling their own destiny, but also to the havoc and the excitement from that is what I cherish the most about this podcast Mm -hmm. covering the sport and being a college football reporter in general. And I really, really, really feel like I'm going to savor it this year because it's not going to be the same after this year. So uh, thank you. Yeah. 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 We always appreciate a five-star review, uh, a comment, a share, anything that you can do to interact with the podcast feed or the YouTube channel to help this show continue to grow. Um, I see you guys in the chat. I, you know, I, the regulars in here, I love you guys very much. Uh, it feels like a community and I'm super excited to be a part of it. So again, thank you so much and, and be sure to, to leave a review or do something to help us out. Uh, subscribe to the until Saturday newsletter and all of those good things. Uh, for Dave Ubbin, I'm Ari Wasserman. Uh, we'll see you next time. That was on post Saturday. Bring back the turnover channel. Now I got to get this flat.